writing funny will definitely help you stand out uh, with everyone using copywriting from AI and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I thank God I'm in the business I'm in because having a good sense of humor right now is probably going to be one of the best skills that you can have, especially in the emerging online world that's coming around. Mike check. I'm good. Mike check. Mike check. You can read about success all day long, but if you don't put in the work, the mindset, execution, and the hustle behind your vision, it just remains a dream. When everything goes wrong, you have to take all the responsibility. We uncover what high-level entrepreneurs, business owners do to rise up from hustling daily. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances. The world becomes your library to help you become better at your craft. Join me as I share with you actionable tips to help you grow your business, learn skills, and help you level up in your self-development journey. Your number one spot for business and personal growth is the Online Hustlers Podcast with your host, Esteban Andrade. Every day I'm hustling. What's going on, guys? Today in the Online Hustlers Podcast, we got a special guest. I usually don't invite people that are outside of real estate or outside of whatever real estate is. I'll, I'll get to it eventually. I'll invest eventually. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll get to there. <laughs> but this guy is in comedy. And, uh, and, and I actually met him in Miami because he runs, to me, one of the best Miami comedy clubs that runs every single day. This guy's a hustler. Like we're talking here about, about hustling. This guy, every single day, he brings in guests, people. That are that goes to uh, they go to his selected venues that he has put together, and he has a great Instagram page. A few of the comedians that have been to his venues actually have exploded um, recently, and he gave him basically the stage. Um, so man, this guy's a very interesting man, a funny guy. Uh, follow him on social media, Manny Garavito. How do you, how do you say? Then you got it. Hey, there you go. Manny Garavito. <laughs> Dude, I, I can't As do a fellow Colombian, you, you say it, you say it funny because it's a Colombian English. last name. Manny Garavito. There you go. Say it say in Colombian. Manny Garavito. Así mismo. Así mismo. That's, That's right. So, um, and he also has Miami Comic Club as the Instagram. Uh, you guys would love it. If you ever come to Miami, you have to actually be in one of his uh, days is every single day except Thursdays and Saturdays. Is that right? Currently, we're working with a Thursday and a Saturday. All right. So he's a he's a hustler. He's an entrepreneur. He's a true entrepreneur uh, hustler. We're gonna talk more about that, man. Uh, I also want to. I like to to be loose so that you can make people laugh here a little bit. But well, that was a great start. You know, the whole <laughs> last name thing. Uh, shout out to Esteban for getting me on his podcast. I've actually listen to an episode or two of yours before I've come across it, you know, whenever I wake up in the morning and I'm trying to get inspired and uh, I go on Spotify, I look at business podcasts. I've seen your logo before I remember. And then when I saw you at the networker, it didn't click until you showed me the cover of your podcast at the networker we did. And I was like, Oh, you're that guy. No wonder you're so confident in what, cause see most of the times when people go to a networker, they're working on it. Maybe they're doing network marketing or maybe they're trying to sell some real estate or whatever. This guy comes in. He's like, what do you do? He's like, I'm an entrepreneur. And that's when you know it's either they're not really an entrepreneur or they're really an entrepreneur because they have so many hats on <laughs> yeah. that that's probably the best title you can give yourself. Yeah. And and I remember because, you know, as an entrepreneur, if you go to networking events, um, you have to have your first 10 second line ready. 
Like, what do you do exactly? You got to tell them exactly what you do in the first 10 seconds so that it's easily understandable. Be like, oh, shit, you do that? Let me connect you with this guy. So I remember I told you, yeah, man, uh, I help uh, investors find uh, homes and I do marketing for them so that they can make a lot of money. You know, it's so funny how an introduction can be so simple, yeah. yet so hard to tell someone. Holy crap. And dude, this going back to comedy. I've seen some of your some of your comedians. Some of them are really freaking great. Some of the, the guests that go there, and some of them they're not as great. Like they're, they're pretty bad. We still give them a shot. <laughs> you still give them. A we got to get them up there. That's how you get good. Yeah, but how do you? Okay, so you as a comedian, first of all, I like I like to know like once you get into this comedy thing and stuff like that, because hey man, starting out and just getting into into that rhythm, I, I think it's nerve freaking racking, dude. Well, I mean, being an entrepreneur is a lot harder. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, so the secret of doing stand-up comedy is you got to go up and humiliate yourself a few times and then you become numb to it. So when you go up again, it doesn't matter if you do good or bad. That's why those people that you saw that, that you believe they didn't do that well, that's why they did it anyway, because yeah, they, they got to go through that motion of, well, I really don't care what people think. So this is what I'm thinking. And then they, you know, they, they figure it out on, on their own. They, uh, they figure it out on their own when they realize that, oh, well, maybe I should write better jokes. <laughs> I mean, they're not, it doesn't bother me that I'm bombing, but it does bother me that I'm not getting the laughs that I'm intending to, to get doing stand up comedy. And that's the whole thing. Yeah. It's like jumping in a cold pool and getting used to the temperature of it while everyone around you is like, how are you in the pool right now? I'm doing it right. Okay, thank you. Just putting it on. So you got you to gotta check. You gotta always do the, the checks. How's the audio? Is it good? It's good. It's good. Okay, okay. Uh, no, man. But dude, so you started as a com comedian. Was it like just you were funny at school and no. you just decided to do that or mm -hmm. what, man? So that's um, you know, as a as a business, I also do comedy coaching because it took me three years to be funny <laughs> consistently. I'll never forget the first time I went up on stage and the entire five minutes was back to back laughs and that. That took a while. Some people are natural. They go up on stage and, you know, they, they tell a funny story or they're really good at writing or good at delivery. Or some people are just charismatic where everyone is like, whatever it is you're about to say is about to be hilarious because I like this guy automatically. Uh, I still had to get my footing in the beginning. I was a corporate guy before I got into comedy. I was in banking, selling line of credits and business loans. And then I did an open mic and I bombed and I humiliated myself and I did it over and over until I kind of got the hang of it. And then when I did get the hang of it, I realized that Miami didn't really have a good comedy scene. So yeah. I was taking uh, courses in marketing at FIU and um, I, I bought MiamiComedy.com and I put my marketing hat on and I just started developing the comedy scene little by little. So that I started comedy in 09, started MiamiComedy.com in 2014, really had to double down on personal education in the field of entrepreneurship and marketing and value creation. And then, you know, there was a couple of obstacles along the way, trying to understand the local market, niching yourself, being creative at the same time, which sometimes when you're, you know, doing business things, sometimes creativity, you know, you're not as relaxed, you're kind of on edge and that's what you need uh, to, to make better decisions. Well, not really. I mean, in order for you to be a good uh, businessman, you always have to make sure that you're on the edge of your business. You're seeing what needs to be done, what innovations you need to be productive, 
But in order for you to problem solve and be creative or to be funny, you got to live life. You got to sit back, relax, enjoy whatever's happening to you and just finding the funny in it. So I had to balance those two worlds. And then eventually um, the biggest obstacle became COVID and then everything closed down. Let me see. 2014, I started Miami Comedy. 2018 was when my, I got my first profit. So I had two years of being a profitable business. And 2020 came around. The business stopped. There were no live events. Um, but then it was a kind of like very fortunate because once the curfew was in place and we were slowly opening the doors, um, people were looking for the middle ground of either not staying home, but you can't party. So yeah. live comedy shows were the sweet spot where you can still go out, enjoy social distancing and have a drink during that time. And so that's when Miami comedy kind of like really boomed. Like it got to the next level. And, and also Miami just didn't give a fuck. You know, Miami kind of goes through its motions psychologically as a you know collective consciousness. I realized that Miami at first wasn't really into arts or performing arts. I mean, you have Art Basel, but I find that it more of an excuse for people to party. Um, and so we're, we're changing and realizing that Miami is a lot more than what was branded, you know, and it's always evolving. And now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but not only did comedy start getting more popular, but so did live performances such as bands. Yeah. A lot of venues are now realizing that this is a good niche to get into, that performing arts was kind of a thing before, but not anymore. So there's an opportunity there. Yeah. When when you were in COVID, did you go, do you try to go online? Like just literally go all in into the online part because you did not have any comedy show uh, doing, doing it in person? The best thing I could do during uh, the pandemic, man, was just go live and just talk yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was frustrating. But I, I went live every day looked into the camera and it was like, Hey guys, are you bored? Me too. So anyways, I, uh, I ate this today. I went to go run and I was just talking about my life. And then I realized that when you go live, you, you know, you, people say you have a comedy voice when you go on stage. Yeah. You have a live voice too. So it's different. Yeah. It's so it's a different thing because it's weird to try to be funny when you don't hear the laughs. Like you see the numbers, like this many people are watching yeah, you live. Yeah, you're basically laughing at your own jokes. Yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. sometimes I tickle myself on what comes out, like when I'm just trying to like riff and trying to find something funny. And then I do this outburst and I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, but what I realized during the pandemic, which was a blessing, was how to be a more effective comedy writer, at least in my own way. Okay. Where I don't no longer have to sit down with a notepad and like, all right, and today I did this. I just go live and I see like, you know, two people and I'm like, hey guys. What's up, Manny Garavito here? I did this today, and then like, it's a little weird at first because you know you you go with like two, and then it's like one, and then they're gone, and then you're just like, I'm not talking to anybody. Yeah, so I uh, I went walking around my neighborhood today. So, <laughs> but as soon as you start getting used to the awkward, no one's watching or no one's laughing uh, feel, and you just get comfortable with being live and being with your thoughts and just opening your mouth and talking some something clicks, like something happens where you're just having a conversation with yourself and it becomes this awesome creative monologue. Yeah. And it's helped me write memes and sketches and come up with other podcast episodes or questions that I can ask the local community. And then they engage because you asked the right question and they're interested in it. So live streaming during the pandemic, 
for those uh, for those days and uh, nights because I did a daily, like I mentioned before, and that's the secrets. You know, you got to be consistent in order to kind of figure it out. I have over six hundred uh, live streams recorded somewhere on the internet. Holy crap! So what did you did you use like a Streamyard or Riverside to go like YouTube? Instagram, I use Zoom at first. Like I, I I I dabbled in Streamyard. Okay. Uh, and then I got into um, OBS, which is what we were talking yeah. about. Very cool system. Uh, there's a lot of tools out there for you to get your creative stuff right to the masses. It's really cool. But wait, let's go. You were in in such a interesting job, the uh, banking job. No, I'm kidding, bro. Like, how do you go into banking and comedy? Like, were you just killing yourself inside? Being well, like, you know, we had we have Latino families. You know what it is. They come here. They're like, hey, you got to get a good job. That's the American dream. You got to climb the corporate ladder. And banking so you, is a good job. So you could one day retire. Yeah, man. You know, they, they love that stuff. If you wear a suit and you got a salary, your parents love that. It's when you give up. Like a real estate agent. It's when you give up. When I gave up my corporate life, my parents were so upset. Okay. But I, 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 I stuck in there. I worked hard. And then eventually they kind of gave in. They were like, how did you do that? That's amazing. So like, you don't have to like punch in anymore. You don't have to wake up early. And that's a great feeling because uh, it's I'm the first entrepreneur in the family. Nice. And so the friction that it took to be there, to cool. get there, it was hard to see your parents telling you, you know, like, oh, you're not going to mount anything. You have Latino parents? Yeah, of course. We're okay. Colombian. Yeah, yeah. We, we got yeah, through yeah, this. Yeah. Honestly, I'm just getting to know that you're also Colombian. I thought you were something. But, dude, it makes sense. There's so many Colombians here. I come here to Miami and it's literally an attachment to South America. It's not a U.S my opinion i don't know if you think the same thing but when it came here it's it's still weird for me that people like respond to me every single time in spanish even if i go to them in english they'll be like hey can you help me with this uh see claro okay i'm like all right so no one here literally no no one wants to speak english in miami in miami like, it's a little offensive <laughs> You know? Like no one wants. Like, to. don't you know this is a Latino city? Like we're all here. Like one time I was at a my barber shop, and uh, some guy was getting cut, and I go up to him and I go, "Yo, man, this guy's the best." And this guy looked at me like, "How dare you talk to me in English?" And my barber goes, "And not English." And I go, "Oh, that's you forget sometimes." Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's I guess people people get offended because they think that you assume that they were. English speaking, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm open-minded. You're the one getting offended, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the weirdest thing, but you know, whatever. Whatever floats your boat in languages. So did your Latino parents, what kind of friction they gave you when you went into full end entrepreneur? You know, I wasn't as upset uh, as other people get when they realize, because I've also met some people that, like, they're very traumatized when their parents, when your parents, Latino parents tell you, like, yeah, you're not going to amount to anything. Yeah. You're a loser. <laughs> Like they were traumatized for me. I was, I was sure I was like, all right, you'll see. So it kind of like slid off for me. Um, but, um, yeah, it was about two or three years of your parents thinking you're, what was your, what was the first things you did? Like as a comedian and someone that wanted to create a community for comedians, um, here in Miami, what were your first steps? So it's a, it's a tricky situation to, to innovate, right? Because when you're doing it, people don't understand it. That's one of that's the hardest one when you're trying to put a vision in place that you know they will benefit from, but it's so early, yeah, that everybody thinks that you're doing it wrong, yeah, 
Yeah, that's exactly the right way to word it. <laughs> you're, you're trying to put something that's innovative and valuable and everybody thinks you're doing it wrong. Uh, so uh, that's another one, a lot of doubt. But if you're, if, if you're evolving, right, if you're developing, if you're figuring things out as you go along, you, it kind of speaks to you, like your education, your knowledge, your experience. You're like, no, I'm, I'm on the right track, but I'm alone in this. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's what it felt like. Um, innovation is a very tricky thing. But if you believe in yourself enough, I know it sounds cliche, but that's what it is. You have to believe in yourself to the point where this is going to happen no matter what. And this is going to be hard. So that's obviously, fake. dude, man, you bought MiamiComedy.com. That's a huge domain. In my opinion, somebody was squatting it for seventeen hundred bucks. No way! Oh, so you bought it for seventeen hundred? Yeah, awesome. So your first I, investment? Yeah, right? yeah. I I saved up five thousand dollars for my previous my corporate job yeah. at a nest egg, and that's the most I ever saved in my life, literally. And you bought MiamiComedy.com. <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna put one point seven of that into MiamiComedy.com. Okay, and so obviously you started with the vision. Was the vision always the same? Like just getting comedians in one place, uh, getting them to entertain your audience or what was it the vision gets polished okay it's a you're you have the main vision bring comedy to miami in this case and then it's i want to be doing a show with dave Chappelle one day and then as the years go by that's not going to happen right and then well i can do my own show and that happens i can do my own show with my friends then that happens will dave Chappelle be my friend not happening yet so let's keep going you go to the next thing and then this thing just starts molding itself into a very, very clear vision up until the point where it's no longer a vision, but you now have the controls for it. Like, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to bring comedy to Miami. You know, seven nights a week of comedy shows. Comedians are getting good. Other comedians start noticing Miami's getting good. They come to Miami to perform. And all these things start uh, forming. And it wasn't really... The main vision but it was kind of like the byproduct of the vision because it's the more realistic one or the one you were destined to have i guess yeah um so it's cool to see your vision evolve but as it's evolving it's happening right it's almost yeah. like you missed the mark but you're still shooting for it yeah that's a great feeling so obviously um like whenever whenever like entrepreneurs start something and they have this going uh, like this vision, they just want to do it, man. Like, but you don't know how the hell you do it. Like, you don't know how the hell you're going to get there at the first, unless you have some sort of knowledge, have a mentor, you learn from someone. So you usually start modeling others uh, or just either model someone or like get inspired by someone else. Um, unless you're super innovative, right? And you created something, fuck, the next Tesla for comedy. So what you looked at, at other comedians, other comedy clubs, what you looked at at the beginning to kind of see like, I'm going to do that, but better. Or is it, was it more like creative thinking that, how was that? Well, this one, there's so many things. I mean, I wouldn't say there was a way this was done before. This was definitely an innovation in Miami because yeah. uh, I had to go. I, I mean, the shows when I first started, I remember the first show I did was Tobacco. You remember Tobacco Road, the first one? Yeah. So there was an attic that they had, and it was a cool speakeasy. That was my first show, and the promoter told me to do a show there. Yeah. We did that for like three weeks or a month or something like that, like every Tuesday or something like that. It was like three or four shows. 
And then the manager comes upstairs like, what are you guys doing here? Like, oh, the promoter said we could do comedy shows here. Not a lot of people ever showed up. It was only like, you know, six people, four people. Yeah. And the guy's like, well, no one ever told me there was a comedy show here. Get out of here. And it was like the middle of the show. It was like oh, shit. Fight Club. And the scene is like, oh, what are you guys doing here? Oh, we're doing a Fight Club. It's like, well, this, this place is called Big Lou's. I'm fucking Lou. Get the fuck out of here. Holy shit. It was kind of like that. Uh, so I did a lot of like really, really bad shows and my marketing was off and I would send emails that would annoy people rather than like motivate them to come out. It was just so much going on and until eventually you fix your newsletters or you fix your yeah. social media writing and then you fix your website and then you fix your copywriting, your video editing, then you get a team and then you and then all these components from years of just fucking up, they then start clicking together. So it's almost like you got like these plates spinning. And then you're really good at keeping them spinning. And then you've got like a whole floor pan of just plate yeah. spinning and they're working so well together. And then eventually you just step back and you're like, I don't have to spin them anymore. They just keep spinning. Yeah. And then you can focus on other bigger things, just like the, the networking where we met. Yeah. But wait a minute. So you started doing jokes, going stand up, doing it yourself mm -hmm. until you, you prove that you can make something out of it and get attention from people, getting them a newsletter, start start getting them pumped into what's coming or like, what was that? Like, you, did you start? The transition you mean? Yeah. yeah from yeah, comedy to, yeah, yeah, to marketing and business? That's a rough one too. So one thing I would like to share in your podcast is, you know, how funny it is that artists were always thought to be against business. Yeah. Okay. Right? Balancing artistic endeavor and you know savviness and business that's a that's a hard one yeah right but those that know how to combine the two worlds of both your whatever you're really good at artistically and you learning business and how people work when you bring those two together they help each other out it's almost like you're mixing oil and vinegar together up until the point where you know you just alchemize a completely different liquid it's like whoa me being good at business makes me a better artist and me being an artist makes me better at business. Yeah. You start getting creative with the way you do business. You start, you know, writing your copy in a funny way in this case, or like if you're, you're a painter, if you design like an advertisement to get people to come out to your gallery, you design it the way you want it rather than just hoping for the best and hiring someone else. There's so many components when you mix business and art together. I was talking to a friend of mine. He wants to start a podcast called the, the, uh, the art of success to talk about this particular thing. And that's such a cool niche because now that we have all these tools that can streamline your creativity, you're going to be seeing a lot more artistic entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. It's not going to be as rare. Yeah. It's going to be more fluid. Now, do you know if any, any other plays around the U S have the same concept that you have? I don't know. I hope so. Cause it's, it's, um, honestly, I, I, I used to live in Toronto. I used to live in Detroit. I used to live in in many places, and I never really saw a someone that would give every almost every single day in a separate bar, so a separate environment, a show with different comedians. And I I'm a I'm a comedian lover, even even more than this past few years, dude. Fucking exercises your cheek, fucking makes you flex your cheeks. <laughs> That's what I heard. That's what I heard, dude. <laughs> well, the more you smile, the more the more you shoots smile. in your brain. Exactly. <laughs> So, and uh, so I was like, yo, I'm going to go into comedy full on um, like this year, like last year. 
because uh, I want to fucking just just laugh, you know. Uh, I love it. Yeah, apart from just doing YouTube, just gonna go and meet uh, the comedians in person. But I never really found anyone in the, anywhere in the U.S. that actually had uh, something so consistent like Miami Comedy, MiamiComedy.com. So that's why I ask you if you if you um, if you had another competitor outside of your market that has absolutely nothing to do with Miami, that that maybe gave you some ideas and things like that. But it seems like it came everything from like just trial and error. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and. Uh... And we were talking about this being a starving artist, yeah. which I lived, which was where my parents were really upset. It was like, how can you go from wearing a suit to being a starving artist? Why would you do this to yourself? Yeah. You had an apartment, you had a nice car, you gave it all away. Yeah. But the trial and error part, it's kind of, uh, it's part of the process. Yeah, yeah. You have to go through the motions of failing often, and then you get your own little secret sauce on how things operate. And then uh, that experience, the systems of all the things that you've learned is the the, the real asset yeah. of your business. Have you ever gone to a, to a stand-up wearing a suit, kind of like being a banker type of avatar? Me? Like I go up, yeah, like yeah, I go yeah. to a show and just show and up in a suit? And be like, oh, I'm a banker. I'm going to tell jokes. I've done comedy in a suit after okay. my banking job. Yeah. Right. When I first was getting started, I would go to the open mics. I didn't. I don't have time to go home because I would have to drive far away because there was no comedy in Miami. I would have to go to like Marco Island. I get off of work at six o'clock. The open mics at nine. Marco Island's a three and a half hour drive. You show up thirty minutes late. You get on the list, and then you know you got thirty other comedians. So yeah, you know, I'm going up in a suit. Like, oh yeah, I work in a bank. I'm trying to climb the corporate ladder because I want to hang myself. Oh, and then everybody's bombing, and I'm just like, what am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but okay so when you were full on stand up doing it by yourself do you get inspired with other comedians any other comedians that kind of give you inspiration yeah i mean comedians that uh you know the funny thing about comedy is that uh it's so different for everybody everyone's yeah. different they have their own i bet miami preference. comedy is totally different than a i don't know white 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 town comedy I don't know. for sure like uh like redneck comedy and yeah 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 cultural comedy yeah, there's a difference. Well, what's great about um, comedy that's happening right now is it's it's going niche. Like it's really, really niched. Like that's one of the uh, the things that I I coach some of the comedians that want to get into business is forget about trying to make everybody laugh. That's the that's the, I mean if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I I think it's a very idealistic approach to be like I want to be so funny, everybody thinks I'm funny. That's hard. Yeah. If you say to yourself, you know. I am a chef and I want to do jokes about cooking. You're going to stand out a lot more right. than you just being a generic, I write jokes about anything. Right? Yeah. So if you're like the, the, the chef of comedy, people that are in that world and that love food, they're going to go see you yeah. just because you call yourself the chef of comedy. It's like, well, I, I never really seen any of his jokes. Yeah, but it's the chef of comedy. Yeah. And then you go up there with your little chef hat. And you just start, you know, saying your little jokes and people just love it because it's the niche. And you look at it online, you look at it on TikTok, Instagram and YouTube. People want jokes about a particular theme yeah. or a topic. So that's what's great about comedy now that you don't have to be like, I got to be the best. Instead, it's like, I got to be the best person that comes up with a theme for my comedy. Yeah, I mean, going niche, it helps you also create like a very, like, even if it's a small uh, like kind of like a group 
group of raving, raving fans, like people that really believe in kind of users of your product or service, whatever you do, your art, uh, that are really, really supportive. And those people will ultimately matter the most because they're the ones that, well, are going to be bringing you the money. They're, they're the ones that are going to be talking good about you, giving you feedback, telling you exactly what, why they love you and what, what, you know, things like that. And, um, and then you can increase that niche. That's, that's something that when people start in business, dude, uh, they try to do everything and anything. And then ultimately doing everything and anything is kind of like the, bottleneck that keeps them from growing and literally not ignition down in one thing bro it kills their business going in one year two years why am i not growing it's because you haven't focused in something yeah so i love that man yeah you you definitely have to, all business owners need to really consider innovation yeah before getting into business so what's going to be your niche well i mean i, I like getting into different things but i just want to I'm in the level of my business where I want to um, I want to automate a really cool project and then move on to something else and do another cool project and then just like just watching from afar as it works itself. Uh, you know, I'm hiring teams now. I have uh, people doing different functions for Miami Comedy. You know, the, the venues I partner with are amazing and they've um, they've helped me also, you know, promote the shows because they also profit from it. So everything kind of like it, it becomes its own culture, right? And so when that culture wants what you want, you can then start working on building up another culture or community. Yeah. And uh, that's what we met, the networking events. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's my next project. Well, I started in 2018, but I think networking is a, is a big one in Miami. Authentic networking, not, um, hey, I'm rich, you're rich, let's hang out. Yeah. Right? That's kind of like the vibe I feel with some networkers. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, Forming a bond or, or a good conversation over drinks where everybody's like on the same page. I like that feeling. I think Miami needs more of it. Uh, is there going to be a niche bond conversation, like a meet, niche meetup? Like maybe do, uh, I don't know, comedy comedy entrepreneurs? or I think the niche for the networker would be authenticity, where authenticity. you feel like I can talk to anybody here. Manny's yeah, yeah. a good host. He'll introduce me to somebody. Whether you're in business or you're dating or you're new in town. You know, if everybody just comes together just to meet people and there's no like awkwardness or, you know, you need someone to break the ice or someone to introduce you to somebody, you know, when I do the networkers, what I really like is, you know, when they start trickling in and then like one person comes in like, hey, what do you do? Oh, yeah, that's cool. And then like the second person comes in and says, hey, this is the person. That, and then the third comes in. And then around the fourth or fifth is when you can like step back and then they're all talking amongst themselves. And then this magical thing happens where more and more people come in and then they start introducing themselves because they're there to meet people and they've been there meeting people. So now it becomes this little two hour cocktail yeah. party of people meeting people. And all you have to do is just get the first few to talk to each other. And then when, they, when people leave, they were like, Hey, I met everybody here. This is amazing. Like, this is such a good feeling to know everybody's name and then leaving. Yeah, I think that's the most beneficial part for a networker. It's not like, oh, this is a real estate networker. You gotta, you gotta be selling homes in Miami if you want to hang out. You know, that's. I mean, you can do that. That's fine. But the niche that I want to do is that feeling of you can meet anybody and know their name. Authenticity. Yeah. I, you said that. It's cool. It's a cool. It's a cool word. The authentic network. Authentic. Yeah. There's no video. fake of feet. There's no feeling of fakeness after it's over. 
Okay. And people are smart. They can feel it when it's like, oh, that was kind of fake. That was yeah. not real. Yeah. That was very transient, very surfacy. <laughs> right. So, dude, man, um, what, you, how long you been in this business now? For like a few years now, three years? Um, the networking? Yeah. And this is growing, just growing Miami comedy, dude. Uh, so Miami comedy got profitable in 2018. So okay. that's when I would count it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's profitable? Like, like I can live off of it finally. Okay. I'd be like, Oh God, thank God. Finally. Cause like when I was a starving artist, I would make my little money here and there as a comedian, but it would never be enough to like, you know, pay off my costs. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. So I would have to do gigs. And so I, I got this app called, uh, uh, not even say, I got on this app and then they were like, send me gigs. Like you send in like an application and then they find you gigs. Yeah. Not, yeah. not gigs for like comedy, but rather like, hey, uh, the cook quit today at this hotel. Go in there and uh, help out whoever's there clean the dishes. Oh, like an odd jobs kind of thing? Yeah. And I would like clean toilets. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I would help serve waters to charity events. And I found myself in so many random things, but it yeah. helped me li live a yeah, yeah. cool phase where I was trying to make it. And you can create stories because I, I don't know anything about like how how would create a great copy for comedy or a script for comedy like stand up but i, I would guess that bro you, if you're not having stories or an imagination like going on and on uh i don't know i like i think that you would fucking have a hard time like coming up with new stuff i don't know you tell me like how is that material as a as a comedian when you're like completely done with everything that you have done for like let's say this season, how do you come up with new stuff as a comedian? Like I come up with new stuff when you're niche down. That's the next level yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was against being a Miami comedian. Like I just want to be a comedian. Yeah. And I want to bring comedy to Miami. Right. That's, yeah, yeah. That was my vision. But then as I was doing it, I was like, oh, I'm a Miami comedian. Like people know me as a comedian in Miami. So I need to make Miami jokes. And then once I started doing that and drilling deep, 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 deep. And then as, as you continue drilling for material about one particular niche, this whole new world of jokes and perspectives start coming out of nowhere. And that feeling is awesome where it's like, nobody's talked about Miami real estate. Do you get high a lot to just think about jobs? I mean, I, I, I always talk about drugs. Sure. Yeah. I've dabbled, <laughs> but no, I don't need it for comedy. <laughs> Yeah, you're, are you a druggie? Is that how you get funny? <laughs> um, I no, I don't need drugs to be funny. I just need to have uh, one or two hours yeah, yeah. of sitting down and thinking, what can I make fun of today? Okay. And uh, Or who can I make fun or of? Or who, or whatever. <laughs> or, or they, them, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can make fun of anything. The door is wide open when you're niched enough to the point where it's always available no matter what. And the fact that you're always opening that door and trying to find more is when you realize that there's so many topics that no one has been talking about. And so in Miami, I think about that all the time. It's like, what are some of the things that Miami hasn't been made fun of for? Shit, I have so many things. Exactly. 100%, so many. Like a lot of shit happens here, man. Like I said, it's an attachment to South America. So any, any, uh, Anything that happens that is disorganized there or like people are all over, they want to do whatever they want in our countries, they bring it here. And for like, you know, the white American or people that come from the North be like, what the hell is this? Right. It's, it's kind of weird. But uh, so you wanted to go into Miami niche, right? Become that comedian that lives in Miami or the, the Miami comedy 
that just so happens to be in in Miami or like you wanted to get to well to be well known about talking Miami stuff. Is, is that is that where you're going? Yeah. So once I started doing the podcast is when I realized that you know you have like what like sixty thousand thoughts a day. Yeah. Something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine if you live in Miami, a good percentage of those thoughts are going to be about your city. Yeah. Oh, these jaywalkers in Brickle. Yeah. All these uh, real estate agents with their cleavage out selling you homes. <laughs> oh, this Lamborghini on fire in the corner yeah. of the road. Like there's so many things now once you kind of get this perspective going. And I kind of feel like it's unlimited to this point. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I do the podcast because that's how I write. If I go up and I just rant about Miami, if something's going to come out. So recently I did a, like a 27 minute podcast live streaming yeah, yeah. about a real estate agent that did a music video. Shout out to him. I don't remember his name, but that guy is very creative for trying to stand out with a jingle about Brickle called That Brickle Life. And did he, did I would show his ass crack. No, he didn't actually go all out, okay. but he was like, he was glorifying living in Brickle, which I know does not outshine the horrific prices of living in Brickle. I mean, you would know. Bro, you did an amazing, I remember you did an amazing uh, reel. I love it. I, I shared it with my friends, but uh, anyways, go ahead. So in this 20 in this 27 minute podcast, I was just riffing about like, how do real estate agents keep a straight face telling you that a home, a one, one bathroom is a million dollars. Like, how do you look in the camera and be like, this one, one is a million dollars. Come on out. Find me. If you want to get this home, it's like, where's the punchline here? You got to <laughs> laugh at this point. How are you going to expect me? To, and then from that joke, Another joke came just yesterday where it was like, you know, some real estate agents, I feel like they should be motivational speakers because they really believe in you that you can pay these prices. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that you can buy this house. I believe in you. Right. And so it's just joke after joke after joke. And the way you get to it is just by you got to have the balls to not be funny. That's number one. That's actually a big one. A lot of people worry. It was like, well, what happens if I say a joke and no one laughs? Fuck them. Did you laugh? And it's great. That's the first one. And then the second thing is uh, you got to be consistent and you got to make time for it. Because if you don't make time for writing or to be creative, how's the, how's the idea going to be generated in the first place? Yeah. I think like uh, Stephen King, I think he, uh, I read this book called The War on Art. Great okay. read if you're, a, if you're a creative person. Small book, easy. Um, and I think he mentioned something like Stephen King writes like 20 pages a day, right? A day. And he admits that a lot of it is, is crap. It's shit. But you got to like leave that door open for that muse to kick in where it's like, oh, my God, this is a fantastic idea. And then the more that door stays open where you're just bullshitting, the more opportunities you have of getting like those really good uh, nuggets. So so when you write comedy copy, um, how do you how do you make sure that is separate the good versus the cringe? Comedy will always have cringe. Comedy will always have offensive. Comedy will always bring people that don't like you. That's the beauty of comedy. It's like a ballsy thing where it's like, da 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 right? Or da 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 hey, all right, right? There's no one way to look at it, and there's no one way to react to it. But that's what it, it really is one of the best forms of free speech. Yeah. And, and, showing people who you really are as a person yeah your faults your vulnerabilities your strengths it's just an amalgamation 
through comedy and making people laugh and figuring out who you are and where your thoughts and ideas come from. Uh, comedy is one of the best art forms that people don't know as an art. Holy crap. I love it, man. But so, you know, um, Andrew Schultz, right? Great comedian. Great. But the guy knows how to do controversial jokes. On purpose. On purpose. Yeah. And controversialism or being controversial, it's always going to be great for growing a brand. Um, like people are not going to follow a person that is like kind of balanced or neutral be like between two thoughts. Be like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of want to stay in the middle. Mm -hmm. They're going to support someone that goes all in into one thought, whether that's this way, left side or right side. Mm -hmm. um, so that's I, I like how often do you when you write? You make it controversial enough. Well, that's the comedy style. If you want to be a comedian that's controversial, you can yeah. go that route. For me, I want to be a comedian that, um, great question. Wow, I never really thought about this until now. I mean, I've been doing it, but I never really stated it. Uh, I think uh, for me, I want to be a comedian that uh, rebrands Miami. It helps the, the locals understand it a lot better. Kind of like a help... Uh, accelerate the the collective consciousness of miami i think that'd be cool that'd be a cool position to be in i really believe in my city you know and in, in all its faults and glory and i think making fun of our city giving you perspectives to it will kind of advance the way people think about it so you brought marcelo hernandez to a few of your shows great comedian as well and he is now uh he's killing it in the tv station. snl SNL. SNL Live. yeah yeah from one day to the next yeah. And he told me he was going to just for laughs. And then he went. And then the next day, Saturday Night Live, I was like, what? <laughs> right? I went, great, That's man. a huge jump. But like, the guy was great. I remember walking to you, be like, yo, who's that guy? You're like, you went out to a night that he was performing yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. So Marcelo has been that good for a while. And he's only getting better because I saw his new, his new stuff. Marcelo is a, is a great example of when you have good comedy writing and charisma. Okay. Right. I mean, Marcelo, if you're watching this, I, I know you're not used to me speaking kindly of you, but because <laughs> me and him, we always roast each other and talk shit. Um, but he is so talented because he knows how to bring those two worlds together. Yeah. And uh, when you go, when he goes up on stage, you can just feel the audience. Like, I just want to hear what you got. I don't care about anything right now i just want to hear what you've got to say because you, you, people just have that presence some people have a presence where it's like who's this guy yeah. right and some people have the presence like what is this guy about yeah. right he has that and then he also writes a lot you know, he's okay. always with his notepad uh so it's well deserved i mean that guy uh has is very young and he's been doing it for a while not only in miami but in new york and in cleveland so he's also been touring a little bit to kind yeah. of expand but he also horizons. has some sort of partnership with uh only date right that's his number that's their number one for sure the he's he's kind of like a brand for it or is he like uh i'm not sure of their business practices but i do know that he did a uh a segment called miami this week or something like that um and then he would they would like do a uh like a review of the videos that they sent in or something yeah. like that. And then he would say like funny commentary on top of the funny video, something like that. Yeah. Dude, I feel like if you have Miami comedy mm -hmm. and you have this going on uh, and you want your purpose, your purpose is also part of your purpose is people to, to really essentially like get to know their city and love it and like see it in different contexts. Mm -hmm. And also whoever comes in outside foreigner of Miami, um, 
associating with those influencer brand pages, just doing like some sort of influencer shoutouts uh, in the in the, in that in that page. Mm. It's gonna help you a lot. I think it's gonna. I haven't done that yet. I mean, or some do people some sort of collab. Some people would would reach out to me like, "Hey, can I post this?" Like, yeah, post it. Um, I'm not against it. I just haven't done it because I don't know how that world works. I know a lot of people do it, where it's like, "This is funny. Let me get as many pages as possible," and they would reach out and be, "Hey, what are your rates or whatever?" Uh, when it comes to 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 touching upon this world of collaboration with other people, so that they can promote you. What you're doing is, the way I see it is you push your content through someone else's community and that can benefit you. But if you if 100% of your community is your own, you kind of get a better understanding on who they are rather than like a bunch of people all at once coming into your community. And then you're like, okay, now what's the, do you just know me as this joke? Because that's that's kind of like one of the pitfalls of being an online comedian where it's like if someone shares a joke of yours and it goes viral, for example, and then they come follow you. So you get like a hundred followers, new followers from a joke that you wrote. They want you to keep doing that joke. Oh yeah, do that joke again about the thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, I don't want to put myself in a hole. Then I'm leaving. This guy's not, he was funny once. <laughs> not anymore. This guy's not doing the same thing. So I can see myself when I do a joke and it goes very well. I'm very cautious about not being a one trick pony. I mean, there's it's nothing wrong with that. I'm coming off like a jerk right now. There's nothing wrong with being a comedian known for one thing. We were just talking about niching. That's a good thing. It's just, I'll give you an example. I do this thing called when a when a person from Miami goes out of town yeah. and that stuff went viral. And then I got a lot of followers. And then I, I don't want to be the guy doing that only. I want to write one-liners and I want to do podcasting and I want to do other stuff. You know, that's how I, I would feel more fulfilled. So I'm speaking for myself here, not generally. Um, you got to be careful about the, the pitfall, though, because if you brand yourself as a particular kind of comedian, especially on the niched online world, you got to go all out and just be that thing. Yeah, because I've I've seen many different type of. So uh, I I don't do you know Andres Lopez, com Colombian comedian? He used to have La Pelota de Letras. Um, yeah, I think uh, my friend Oscar. We did a tour called Hilarious Big Belly, Colombian Americans. Big Belly. You told uh, me about it. Yeah. Eye bags. Anyways. <laughs> so that guy got really popular through a season. But you're right about that. Like, got uh, really popular through a season where he launched basically like two or three tours in like less than five years. And he did really well. He went all around the US, all around Canada, all around Colombia. Obviously, he's Colombian. And he did really well. But then he kind of died off. Uh, after the first five years, I would say, like three, five years. Um, so I guess that's those are the risks that you're talking about, that people will just know you about this particular this particular show, this particular joke. Mm -hmm. You have to, as an artist, I think it's very difficult, but very it's a sound decision to want to evolve. I mean, think about one-hit wonders and think about icons and music, for example. The one hit wonder got that one hit and they never evolved. They kind of like try to do a cookie cutter approach yeah. again. While the more iconic ones were always experimenting yeah. with their sound. Like Michael Jackson went through like a bunch of phases. Prince, you know, 
Prince would play his own instruments. He would he would get better at those instruments. He would bring other musicians to play with him. So as a comedian, I think it's a it's a tightrope walk to balance being what you're known for and also changing and evolving what it is that you're known for. Yeah. So it's almost like you bring people along rather yeah. than coming to the people all the time. Um, but that can be difficult. But you know who I learned from that are artists that teach me marketing, proper marketing. Because if you think about it, Bad Bunny, he's not the best singer ever. However, uh, or, or Starbucks is not the best coffee. McDonald's is not the best freaking burger, right? Um, however, they understand three things real well. Um, especially Bad Bunny, for example, how he crushed 2022, right? He, they understand their audience really good. You mentioned about your audience, right? So their users, the audience, people that see them. Uh, two, they know how to properly follow trends. So you talk about changing, evolving. So trends, whatever is happening. For example, like he's he's able to keep happy Gen Z and Gen X, Gen Y, right? He's able to keep happy these people. Um, but following trends as well. And uh, obviously keep innovating, like. Those are the things that, for example, um, Bad Bunny does really well. Bad Bunny has evolved. I mean, I've been following him for a while. Yeah. I, li I like him because he helps me understand the Latina better. And they're very complex yeah. creatures. Oh, my God. Dude. So I listen to Bad Bunny. I listen to the lyrics like, oh, that's what they like. They like toxic guys. <laughs> great. Great. All right. You got to take them all the VIP and then you can cheat. Got it. Got it. And I'm here learning like the 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 subtle language of the 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 beast we have to tame here in Miami called the Latina. Dude, talk to me more about that. So anyone that comes to Miami, whether that's to purchase real estate, whether that's to do business, uh, do some vacation, what do they have to learn about Miami, Miami Latinas? About Miami Latinas? Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> so people all over the world can come to Miami and see like top, a1 wagyu beef of latinas here in the city that's what's great about miami like it attracts and filters out the rest you get like the the really good prime cut here <laughs> um you know latinas have a rhythm of life and you have to know that rhythm whether it's through dancing uh your skills in the bedroom your spending habits there's a there's a vibe there's a thing going on where you gotta like catch up and then if you do it's almost like riding a bull you know, when when the guy's riding the bull, he's got to hang in there and it's like kicking him around. Well, a Latina does that in many different forms of life, financially, spiritually, <laughs> mentally, physically. And you got to hang in there and you got to make sure that you go with those rhythms and not get thrown off. And then eventually the Latino will be like, you know what? I got to give this guy some booty. He's doing <laughs> a great job handling me. That's how you get a Latino. Oh, man. I, I, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, white white male males come from the north travel here i know but they also go to colombia and then i go to the midwest trying to get with their women <laughs> it's weird it's like a trade-off it's like yeah. you, i go to like places like you know with cincinnati and they're like oh man you, you got latinas all over miami like i'm trying to get here and get i'm trying to get to your redheads you go you guys got redheads i haven't seen any redheads in miami since forever you know asians are second there's hardly any asians in miami yeah, and not that's weird. Asians are everywhere. In Miami? 
everyone in the US. I oh, yeah, like if you go to San Diego yeah. or New York. I came Miami from Toronto. It's so diverse. Toronto has Asians. So many. You got Filipinos, you got Chinese, you got Japanese. But here, where? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> People come into Miami to, to get with the Latinas, and then the guys leave Miami to get you know out there, try to bring the Latino vibe to their city. So is dating, you know? That's what it's all about, just switching it up, wanting something different. Yeah. I've, I've met several New Yorkans or Californians uh, that they not only come here to increase the freaking rent everywhere because it's it's a deal for them. Oh, you're upset because you're, that's that's what you do. You're in real estate and you're, uh, yeah. you're mad at the New Yorkers. But they, 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 they come in here with, with, their, with, their, with their partner, like with their girlfriend or her wife. Just come in here because, like, they have a, a girlfriend or wife that is Latina. Uh, but at the same time, bro, like, they, uh, I don't know if you ever noticed, New Yorkers and Californians, they, they just come here and see Miami as a cheap way to live a beautiful life. Cheap way? A cheap oh, in way. comparison to, comparison to Cali and Cali New York. And okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, now it's no longer, we're equals now. You brought up the rent to the point where we're now at your level. California, New York. So uh, thanks for making us the next big popular corner of the United States. So you got the left side, you got the north, and then you got the south. The trifecta is now complete. The most expensive places. And uh, we were last because, you know, Miami time, we were late. Hey, that's a great joke, by the way. <laughs> we were last, right? New York was big. California was big. And then Miami finally came in being the last trifecta of the most expensive city to live in. Yeah, it is. Man, in, my, in this building, they uh, went up 21%. I know people that went up like 30, 50% their rent. It's freaking crazy, dude. And they still stick around. Yeah. We're holding down the fort here in Miami. We figure it out. We find a way. It's either we... Ask for a raise, we get a side hustle, or we just start selling drugs. We find a way. <laughs> but it's good. It's good for landlords. Um, well, in terms of they're bringing in more high quality. It must be so weird to evict somebody. It, uh, have, okay, I'm going to have a guy that literally just went viral recently in Miami, uh, in Miami Post or Miami, like uh, some, some Miami Post and also New York Post, where he was calling a tenant saying, hey, I'm the new landlord. And seems like you've been paying like a thousand dollars for like so many years like 10 years 12 years we gotta raise your rent so he filmed himself um again he used controversial a controversial marketing tactic he filmed himself calling the homeowner another homeowner the the renter hey i'm gonna increase it 1500 bucks and she's like what the fuck i'm gonna call the cops on you you freaking corn artist Going, he's going viral. He's like having like almost 18 million views on TikTok, dude. He's coming here to this podcast. He's um he's a Miami investor, uh, Cuban American, first first generation, bro. But um, it's you gotta watch it, man. Like, and and like like I was saying back to this, when you use that type of content, controversial stuff in social media for your brand, because he's trying to brand with other wholesalers and investors. Um, it, bro, you're you're gonna make your marketing better. Like whenever you uh, when whenever you put content, and you you fuse it with controversial stuff, right? 
it um it sensationalism just, it's, it's just a booster right yeah since uh, it's unfortunate though sometimes because you know sensationalism can either misinform a lot of people or just dumb it down so it's a shame that yeah. that's what it takes in order to really stand out it is it is a shame however i do want to understand your because you're i think comedians need to be amazing copywriters for sure absolutely i tell my comedy you guys friends are the all best the copywriters yeah, it's like if you know how to write a punchline, why can't you write a headline? I don't. It's the same thing. It's just you don't have to make them laugh when you do a headline. You just gotta hook them in. I did a I did a presentation about that once. Where what's the similarities between writing a good headline to hook somebody in and a punchline to make somebody laugh? Yeah. And the only thing the difference is that one makes you click and the other one makes you laugh, right? But it it's still an action. So imagine writing a sentence and then people take action on how good that sentence yeah. was written. It's the same skill, just different outcome. But comedians don't want to hear that. You know, they're cynical. What the fuck are you talking about, man? Yeah. As a so as a comedian, the now fuse business and marketing, the understanding of it. How do you? What's your process now to write, copy to write? Copy. I mean, your scripts and your punchlines. Oh, ChatGPT. That's how I write. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I write my copy now. It's so good. It is so fucking good. It's scary. I, I was just, when I was doing the video sales, I was like, coming up with somebody. It's like an extension of your right? brain. It's like, hey, uh, I do coaching. Why is it that people, remind me why people like coaching? Coaching? Oh, yeah. Let me say that. <laughs> um, Dude, we're using it like for everything. I'm, I'm teaching my team to do it, to help me create copy for emails, create copy for YouTube videos whatever ads um but again it's an extension yeah you can't rely on it too much because then everything just sounds robotic yeah you you just need an insight from it yeah um and i think i think that's the future of um online content everything like yeah. as a comedian like how often you use ChatGPT? well here's the thing here's what's great about uh the, the era we're about to get into with ai and on it being access accessible to everyone it still can't tell a good joke I mean, it's programmed, it, some pre-programmed jokes are on there. Like I asked it to tell me, a, the first time I asked it to tell me a joke, it didn't, it, it really didn't say anything funny. It was like random. But then I say, tell me a joke that you wrote. And it said, why was the windows cold? No, why was the computer cold? Because it left, I fucked the joke up. Why was the computer cold? Because it left its windows open. I was like, oh, that's a good one. Um, and then I asked it, well, why, why aren't, why isn't AI funny? And it says AI will will never truly be funny because uh, humor is a human thing that requires the complexities and nuances of a human being and its emotions. Yeah. And as AI, we're very linear. Yeah. Where you you input output. There's no complexity or sloppiness to what we put out, right? That we can't play with a thought. We either have to say something factual or something that you input that we were programmed to output and yeah so i think um writing funny will definitely help you stand out uh with everyone using copywriting from ai and stuff like that so getting a getting a sense i thank god i'm in the business i'm in because having a good sense of humor right now is probably going to be one of the best skills that you can have especially in the emerging online world that's coming around bro and any marketing in 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 any business online business I, I try to put sometimes humor into the text follow-ups that I do. Bro, when someone doesn't show up to my appointment, I go, I go like the first text. It's like, um, I know that the best things in life take time. Is that why you didn't show up? Yeah. Uh, and then the next That's great. 
I love that. <laughs> and then sometimes people laugh and uh, sometimes they be like, lol. Yeah. LOL, whatever. Yeah, they were rude, but that's okay. Yeah, but anyways, but... You didn't take it to heart. And then the next one is, um, I hope nothing happened to you. You're not in the hospital or something. Is that, are you okay? Um, kind of like being worried, sincerely worried. Uh, and then after that, I go and send a meme. A meme that makes them laugh. To get, again, trigger them. You try that hard to bring people out to one of your talks? To one of your appointments? No. This is for my business, the service. Right. That's what I mean. Like, you you, you go to those lengths to make sure that you do that kind of follow-up? Thing is that… So if, you, you, you do a dramatic… No, you do a, a funny one, a dramatic one, and then just a regular follow-up. I mean, you can go as, as deeper as you can. Wow. But yeah, man. Like, the thing is that um, when sh- someone… Let's say you… You have an appointment for to sell someone in a service, right? Or to help them find a solution. Some people are not going to show up for X or Y reason. You don't know. They could be like non-serious people. They could also be people that are very busy. They could also be people that um, something happened. Like they're in the field. Like they had an accident. They, I don't know. They're running late for some reason. They forgot, right? They didn't mark it in their calendar. Like whatever. Mm. So there's still opportunity by following up on no-shows. Like actually, because the money is in the follow-up usually, uh, and you keep following up, you keep basically retargeting your person until like they actually like say, okay, let's talk and let's, let me watch your content, buy your product, get your service, whatever, after going through a sales process. Um, that's why you got to put a lot of effort into what happens after they've seen you for the first time or they they try to meet you for the first time which is the follow up and that's why we do it mm. so that's something huge um that's great yeah man i'm not really much of a follow up person like if someone doesn't show up to like a zoom meeting that we did i was like well i guess they died yeah and then i just move on bro tell chat gpt like this guy this guy probably died <laughs> tell me a, a sequence of Follow-ups. That follow-up <laughs> that shows that I'm worried that he fucking died or she fucking died. <laughs> or they. Or they. And then you just put you just put it into like a system, a CRM. Be like, okay, just put it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, man, this was great. How, how long How long have we been going on? One hour. Perfect. Yeah. I'm glad we ended on the note to show people just how knowledgeable you are in what you do. Because, I, you know, as much as uh, I love being a comedian… The odd thing about where I'm at in my life is like I don't like the spotlight too much on me. I kind of like working in the background. It's like I write a joke and I just post it. But today was your spotlight. I know you gave it to me. I but know, I, get, I appreciate. Before it. you go, so did you know that you can actually because you were talking about Chat GPT AI to be a better comedian copywriter? Did you know they can teach Chat GPT to think and to have the same comedy language as the best comedians in the world? And then yeah, use their comedy. It. Yeah, for sure. yeah, pre-program it. Like teach them and give them context. Okay, you learn from this guy. Learn from Andrew Schultz. Mm-hmm. Learn from, I don't know, tell me. Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you were to tell Chad GPT to learn from the best comedians and give you a copy, spit you a, some sort of like writing script that is unique, mm-hmm. what, what are the, the list of best comedians that you'll tell Chad GPT to use? What I would put in? Yeah. So Bill Burr, Patrice O'Neill, uh, Jim Norton, 
uh, Mark Norman, uh, Carlin, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Dangerfield, Kinnison, Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle. That's 10. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I was low-key just trying to have a, a new list of comedians to watch. Bill so. Burr, have you gotten into him? No, man. All right. You got to watch. Bill I got to watch him. He's so good. He's so good and authentic. Uh, he's the reason I did stand up. I was following him since 06. He was a he was a headliner at the time, but he uh, he really I saw him blow up. Like I remember one time, this guy is like selling out arenas, right? And he's been on Netflix like you know a dozen times or whatever. But I remember one time, like an 07, 08, he went to the Miami Improv when it was in Coconut Grove, and to see your comedy hero like performing in front of eight people on a Wednesday. Right. And the first thing he says was the, the improv. We used to light these little candles on the table. And then he goes up on stage and he goes, all right. Yeah, I'm glad that the improv lit all the candles on each table to show me how empty this place is. <laughs> and then and then, you know, fast forward like 10 years. This guy is one of the biggest comedians that's like alive today. And the right and to see the evolution, especially in real time like seeing it, you've been following it for years. It's one of the coolest things you can see for somebody. Like seeing them at a certain level and then exponentially grow. Bill Burr is one of those comedians that, Patrice was too, but unfortunately he he died early. Do you know about Patrice O'Neill? Yeah, I've heard of him. So he's he's a very in-your-face comedian. And uh, I followed him around the same time, 06, 07. And then uh, he was about to blow up, but then his health got to him. But uh, check out uh, Bill Burr and you'll you'll see... One of the most prolific comedians living in our time right now. All right. Like the things he talks about is so controversial, but he does it so well. It's really <laughs> good. Awesome. So I know that you you said MiamiComedy.com a few a few times during the podcast, but where can people find you? So MiamiComedy.com, if you're a local in Miami and you want to find all the shows that we do, uh, we have seven nights a week currently. We're working on our eighth and ninth now. My, my goal is 14. I want to double up. All right. Two shows. In different areas in Miami. Holy uh, shit. That's coming soon. I mean, I'm already doing it twice. Mondays and Tuesdays. I have two shows. So all, all you got to do is fill in. You're going to be growing a good team there to help you out. Yeah. I mean, the venues I partner with, they're, they're, You're helping them. Yeah, they're playing ball and they're doing a great nice. job. Um, and, the, you know, bringing business on a Monday and Tuesday for them is a great idea. So um, shout out to all my venues. Thank you for the support and for bringing comedy as well. And then uh, the networkers is MiamiNetworking.com. That's a new project. That's where I met Esteban. Um, and if you're anywhere in the nation that is interested in getting in touch with your sense of humor, whether you want to, you know, be funny on the fly naturally, or if you want to, you know, in increase your dating partners, uh, definitely get in touch with your sense of humor. You can even start a business if you know how to really command your comedy. And if you really want to stand out on social media, believe me, a sense of humor is definitely going to help you do that. That website is mannygaravito.com. Check out my coaching packages. I've been coaching people from the ages of 13 all the way to 76. This is from different walks of life. Uh, the reason why I got into coaching is not to show you how to be funny, to show you that you've always been funny. That's my new slogan. <laughs> right, so that's MannyGaravito.com. There you go. Garavito. Garavito. Damn, Garavito. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you for coming. Thank bro. you, Estela. This is awesome. Yeah, man. Um, 